Philippians chapter 3, 17 to chapter 4, verse 3. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as our model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, my, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him, him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, happy Sunday. I hope you've enjoyed uh, being with us for our streaming service so far and that you're having a, a good morning. I'm glad to be with you as we keep working our way through this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. As we begin, can I ask you a question? Um, who are you following? Who are you following? Of course, people have always looked up to others and chosen people to follow. Um, and, and these days with modern technology, smartphones, uh, social media, uh, we're apparently more connected than ever before. Uh, so thanks to websites like Twitter, following people has become so commonplace. You can have hundreds of people that you've chosen to follow. Uh, you're able to see photos of them, watch their videos, listen to what they have to say. Uh, and as we listen to others and as we watch what others do, it then influences who we are, doesn't it? You know, that's why if you're into fashion videos or makeup videos, you probably know what words like glow up and bougie mean. Uh, and in case you're wondering, no, I'm not into those sorts of videos. Learning these sorts of words is one of the perks of being a youth group leader. This is why it can now even, you know, count as a job to be an influencer. You know, you, you gain lots of followers and then you influence how your followers spend their money. Uh, personally, I think it's kind of ironic that in the age of kind of being true to oneself, uh, probably more than ever, who we are is determined by who we follow. And so what all that means really is it's important to be aware of who you're following and to make, I guess, good choices in terms of which voices you're letting shape you. So, who are you following? Well, in the passage from Philippians that we're looking at this morning, we're being asked to make a choice about who we follow. In fact, Paul, the author himself, is asking us to make a choice to follow him. He says this in verse 17, the, the start of our passage. He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So follow Paul and follow those who live like Paul, he says. And I don't know if you've noticed as we've gone through the book of Philippians, but we've actually had a number of people uh, put forward to us as examples. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus and back at the start of 
Uh, chapter 2, we of course had that wonderful hymn encouraging us to have the mindset of Jesus. Uh, so when Paul says to follow his own example, he's not kind of just being vain or boastful. He's simply saying, make a choice, pick a side. Um, Paul wants to convince us to follow his way, to follow the way of Timothy, of Epaphroditus, to follow the way of Jesus and the cross. Uh, because he's, he's also clear that there's also an alternative. You can also live as an enemy of the cross of Christ, as he puts it in verse 18. And that, that sounds pretty intense, but what he's really trying to spell out is that there is a clear choice here. There are two options, two roads to walk. There's the way of the cross. That's the way that Paul wants to convince us uh, to follow today. And then there's the opposite, being, I guess, anti, just against the cross. So who are you following? Well, if we're going to be convinced to follow Paul and follow uh, his his way, his option, uh, we, we better look at the two options then. So let, let's break it down like this. Let's uh, look first at the way of the cross, uh, the way Paul puts forward for us. Uh, and then secondly, let's look at the alternative. Uh, and finally, we'll, we'll come back and decide how we make our choice, how we decide who to follow. Uh, so first, let's talk about following Paul's way, the way of the cross. Now, what, what does it mean to follow the way of the cross, to follow Paul and follow his example, like he says in our passage today? Um, now, at first glance, the idea of following the example of someone like Paul, like that might sound like a pretty standard Bible thing to say. I mean, he's an apostle, but we'll just zoom out and just remember for a second the context of Philippians for a minute. In some ways, this is a pretty kind of radical thing for Paul to say. If you've been with us the past couple of months, as we've gone through this book, you'll know some of this. But let, let's recap where the letter comes from, why it was why it was written. Uh, firstly, remember Paul is writing uh, from a Roman jail, so he's in prison. He's in Rome. Uh, he's in chains for Christ. He told us in chapter one. And so, why, if, if Paul's sitting in jail, why is why is he writing to the Philippians? Well, you might remember this from three or four weeks ago. The Philippians had felt sorry for Paul. They were worried about him, and so. Uh, as one of the partners to his ministry, they sent a guy called Epaphroditus to take Paul some money, to take Paul some supplies, to help him out. Um, you might know the background. The Romans didn't really feed or look after their prisoners very well, so um, Paul would rely on this kind of support. So just try and put yourself in the shoes of the Philippians for a minute. You've sent off uh, this gift, this financial support to Paul, and you get a letter back, and you know, it kind of makes me think of... Um, Annika and I have a, have a sponsor child with compassion. Uh, great thing to do. We send off, uh, we send off 50 bucks a month or something like that to um, help our child in Ethiopia. Uh, and every now and then we get one of those letters back from our sponsor child thanking us uh, for our support and letting us know that he's been able to go to school, get new clothes, uh, that sort of thing. Great. Um, really good thing to do. And if, of course, when we get the letter, we feel a little bit better about ourselves. We've helped someone out. Um, I suspect. That's kind of the sort of letter that Philippians might be expecting to get, right? You know, they've just sent him a nice gift. He's in jail. Um, here you go, Philippians. Yeah, thanks for your gift. Thanks. Yeah, it's really hard here in jail, but your support really helped. You know, a, a nice letter like that. Um, but then Paul turns around and says, Philippians, follow my example. I just I just wonder if the Philippians might be a bit surprised to hear this. I mean, hang on, follow, follow your example, Paul, but hang on, you're, you're the one in jail. I don't, I don't want to end up there. I mean, you know, we're, we're on your side, Paul. We're happy to support you, to follow you. I wasn't, I wasn't exactly planning to make someone in jail my role model right now. But when we talk about following the way of the cross, I guess we shouldn't really be expecting something that looks 
easy, should we? So what is it then about Paul's example that we're meant to follow? I mean, Paul's, Paul's obviously not saying that we should just go and deliberately get thrown in jail, is he? I don't, I don't think that can be his point. But uh, think about what he's been saying over the past couple of weeks if you've been with us. Because towards the, part of the start of the chapter, Paul talked about how he has this great lineage, a great record as an upstanding Jew. But after going through all that, he said that none of that really counts for anything compared to knowing Jesus. And in fact, then he says in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, that even though he's lost all things, he thinks of everything really as, as garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Every, everything. So all that really matters to Paul is that he has the righteousness that Jesus provides. What matters is that he becomes like Jesus in his death, is united to Jesus, and so will also be united to Jesus in his resurrection. Now, the world's in a fair bit of turmoil right now, as we know, coronavirus uh, instability. Um, I'm sure some of us have lost things this year because of what's happened. Maybe how, maybe our wealth has decreased a little. Maybe we've felt the loss of relationships by not seeing people as much. Uh, most people I know, however, are pretty optimistic at the moment. Yeah, like things aren't too bad. You know, there's been some upside, some downside, but uh, maybe, maybe this is still a good time to ask the question. Um, what if I what if I did lose everything? What if I did lose everything? I, I think in some ways we don't know what's going to happen in the world in the next few years. You, you look back through world history and often actually um, uh, it's after something like a big plague that actually there's just more instability and instability tends to lead to more instability and you get things like wars or famine or you know, who knows, right? Like what's going to happen in the world in the next few years? Um, here's my question. Paul lost everything, and he could still say, it's okay, those, those things that I've lost, well, compared to knowing Christ, they weren't anything. I, I still have Christ, and so I still rejoice. So if you lost everything, could you, could you still say, I still have Christ, and so I still rejoice? Because that's what it means to follow the way of the cross. Not that those things will necessarily happen, but that ultimately you know that your salvation is not in wealth or comfort or status or position, but it's in knowing Jesus and being united to him. So that's what it means to follow the way of the cross, to follow Paul's example. But in verse 18 and 19, Paul talks about then the alternative. He talks about those who, rather than follow his example, go the other way. The, the enemies of the cross of Christ, as he calls them. Uh, so let's have a look, let's have a look at those uh, verses and think about what the alternative is. Verses 18 and 19. Here Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. These are intense words, aren't they? Uh, just, just feel the weight of those words for a minute. Their, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. And just, just in case you have any doubt about the weight of what Paul is talking about here, he says... I now tell you again, even with tears, you can, 
you can just imagine Paul writing his letter or, or dictating most likely. And as he gets to talk about these people who are enemies of the cross of Christ, he's, he's crying. And you might say Paul isn't exactly kind in what he says. You know, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach. But don't for a second picture Paul as, as if he's telling them off in some kind of, you know, happy, gloating, holier-than-thou kind of way. No, he's he's talking about people he loves, and he's he's devastated by the choice they've made. Now, there's some debate about who Paul's talking about here. Is he kind of describing everyone who puts earthly things before Jesus, kind of anyone who goes and loves food or pleasure or that sort of thing and lives for those things rather than living for Jesus? Well, well maybe. I think it's probably more likely here that Paul's talking... Uh, talking about these people who have been hanging around in the background of the whole book. And that is these opponents of the Philippians. They they came up in chapter 1 briefly, and then again at the start of this chapter. They seem to be Jewish people who are encouraging the Philippians to trust in things like Jewish rituals for salvation uh, rather than trust in Jesus. Sort of trust that you can save yourself with ritual or with moral living rather than go to Jesus for salvation. And if that's the case, well, well, maybe their God being their stomachs has something to do with Jewish food laws, and maybe their glory being in their shame has something to do with circumcision. Uh, if that's all the case, well, it's quite easy then to see how Paul might describe these people as enemies of the cross. Because what these people are doing then is, is they're saying there's no, there's, there's, an, there's another way to be right with God, another way to be righteous. Do these things, live this kind of life, follow these rules, and You'll be a good person. You'll be okay with God. You don't need the cross. In, in, in fact, it's probably right to say they hate the cross because the cross actually says you can't do it on your own. Uh, the cross says humans lack the ability to save themselves and need to instead go to Jesus and his death for salvation. Now, if that's how we're to read the passage, we might say, well, it's not, not that relevant to us because I certainly haven't met any uh, Judaizers around Adelaide in 2020 who want me to follow Jewish rituals to be saved. But I'll tell you what, yeah, that little part of it may be well removed from our situation, but what is just as offensive to people as ever is this idea that the only hope for humanity is to go to Jesus and the cross. And if you don't believe me, uh, think about your workplace or your school or whatever it is for a minute. I, I think there are lots of parts of Christian belief, actually, that people aren't too worried about. You know, you, you believe that God created the world. I might I might disagree, but but good on you. Like, I don't, I don't mind. You, you believe that there's life after death? Well, I'm not sure, but I don't, I don't mind that idea. Um, you like the teachings of Jesus? Well, well, certainly he said lots of good things, but, but you believe that humans on their own are lost and that the only hope for salvation is to turn to Jesus and his cross? Well, that's where people will start to get offended. Paul's given us these two choices. There's, there's the way of the cross. Even if you lose everything like Paul did, you still have Jesus. Ultimately, it's being united to him. That, that's where your hope is found. And so uh, you won't be afraid to make sacrifices because you've got what really counts. And then there's the way that is against the cross, actually. Earthly things are too valuable to give up. I don't know. Want the cross. Actually, I think humanity can work things out for ourselves. I, I can just be true to myself. I don't think I need to follow the way of the cross. There's the way of Paul. There's the way of Jesus. There's the way that's against the cross. Who are you following? 
Who are you following? For some of us, we're totally, we're totally with Paul on this. We know that uh, on our own, we're broken, sinful. We know that being united with Jesus in his death and then looking forward to being united with him in his resurrection is everything. It's everything. And we would thoroughly agree with what Paul says next. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We've been talking about this since we were back in chapter 1 where Paul taught the Philippians to live out their citizenship in a manner worthy of the gospel. Uh, Roman citizenship was something that the Philippians had and it was a very special part of being from Philippi. But given everything Paul's just said, status, earthly rights, uh, these things are still nothing compared to knowing Jesus. Our, Our citizenship, it's in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. For following the way of the cross, we know that we're united with Jesus at the cross. And, and so we believe that when he returns, we will also be part of his resurrection. And And we know from the accounts of Jesus after he rose again that his resurrected body was different, no longer mortal. Paul Paul himself had seen Jesus on the road to Emmaus and been blinded by Jesus, whose body shone like the sun. I think for those of us who would say we're totally on board uh, with the way of the cross, this this is what Paul would say to us as he he keeps going on. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm. Keep going. Jesus will not let you down. And after verse 1, by the way, Paul makes uh, this little comment to the two women, uh, Euodia and Syntyche. Uh, evidently, they aren't getting along too well. Paul Paul pleads with them to be of the same mind. I think a lot of people would just say that Paul just changes the subject here, and that's uh, that's at least partly true. And I don't, I don't want to say too much about this other than uh, to say that I don't think it's a coincidence that he's put this piece of advice here. You know, after talking about how we need to follow the way of the cross, how we need to be ready to give up every, everything, follow his example who's in jail, how we need to trust in Jesus for our salvation, not ourselves. Uh, seems pretty stupid to be having a little squibble about whatever they were squabbling about. Um, of course, we all tend to squab- squabble about unimportant things. Uh, one of the reasons Paul tells these women to get along is that, uh, verse 3, their, their names are written in the book of life. You, know, you, you might have a little difference or two, but look, look what you have in common. You're following Paul, you're following Jesus, you're part of his people. I do, though, just want to finish by saying something to those among us who might find this choice that we've talked about today uh, a bit harder. It's the way of the cross for relying on Jesus rather than yourself, being willing to give up everything for Jesus if necessary. Uh, And if if you don't find that idea challenging, I think you might have missed something about it. Do you know those words of Jesus? Uh, what are they? My my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, it's a, it's a scary thought to rely on Jesus rather than on yourself. Yes, it's a scary thought to think about giving up everything else before you give up Jesus. But here's why I think Jesus can say his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because if he, if he really did die 2,000 years ago and you trust in him, then he has already won 
your salvation. Sin, sin has already been paid for. And if he really did rise, then those who are united with him can have confidence that they will rise to eternal life as well. And if you really do believe that by trusting in Jesus, you can have life forever with him, well, suddenly those costs, those things you might have to give up, they do become very small costs very quickly when you compare them to the benefits of being in Jesus. So I guess here's my, here's my final thought as we talk about whether we'll follow Jesus, Paul, and, and this way of the cross, or whether we'll keep living for things of this earth and trusting in ourselves. If you're struggling to weigh up the sides, I, I think the question to focus on is, it's, it's the big question, did, did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Because if, if Jesus did rise from the dead, then the way of the cross, it's, it's really not much of a sacrifice at all. It's, it's following Jesus into eternal glory. It's having your body transformed. It's, it's seeing everything brought under the rule of Jesus. It's winning the prize. It's, it's to live as Christ and to die as gain. This is the joy that Paul still has despite being in jail and having lost everything. Following the way of Paul, the way of Jesus, if he really did rise from the dead, well, it really is worth it. So who are you following? Let me pray that we would follow Paul and that we'd follow Jesus. Well, dear Father, God, we thank you for uh, this great book of Philippians. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and uh, this attitude that he's shown that even when he'd lost everything, he was in jail, he'd uh, given up all his rights and privileges and uh, all those things that he knew that he still had what he needed. He was still uh, united with Christ. He had the righteousness that Christ offers. He was united with Christ in Christ's death and he confidently looked forward to being united with Christ in his resurrection and rising again to eternal life. Our Father, you've put before us uh, two ways today, two choices, two examples to follow. In some ways, the, the easy way looks like um, just ignoring Jesus, living for ourselves, getting as much pleasure as we can. But uh, when we actually look at the truth and we see that by being united to Christ, ultimately that means enjoying eternal life with him. Well, we know that that's the way we want to live. We want to follow the way of the cross. When that gets hard, Father, I pray for us. I pray that we would have courage to keep going. I pray that your spirit would be with us, helping us to keep looking to people like Paul, but ultimately looking to Jesus and his example. And we pray in his name. Amen.